gardeners, farmers, compost enthusiasts, and growers, welcome to the Healthy Garden Podcast, the show where soil is important and growing a healthier world is job one. Welcome to the Soil Medium episode. Today we're going to talk about potting soils, planting mixes, the soil media that we use uh, in our gardens and in our raised beds, in our community gardens, in our pots, our containers. We use in ground with planting mixes. We're going to talk about all that stuff because there's a zillion products out there. You ever get confused? You walk into the nursery and see 20 different types of potting soils. And then you've got some planting mixes. Can I use a planting mix in a pot? Can I use a potting soil in the ground? So we've got all of these potting soils and mixes, and they all have a whole variety of different things in them, and they're all different prices. And it's what we plant in. We buy a plant, we buy a potting mix, and we plant our plant. So where did these come from? Where did this all start? Who invented potting soil? Uh, when did this become a thing? And all the different stuff that's in there, when you flip a bag over and you see all these different ingredients in there, who came up with that concept or that idea or that thought that this is what needs to be in a potting soil? We are going to talk about all of those things and we're going to explore where they came from, who created potting soils and how long they've been around and where we are with potting soils and planting mixes today. We're going to talk about all of that stuff as soon as we get back. tell you a true story about the first time I used Booze Blend Biodynamic Compost. I was volunteering at an elementary school garden where classes of kindergartners through fifth graders would go through the garden one time a week and I gave them each their own seedling and their own small watering can and every morning on Mondays I would teach these classes as they went through throughout the day uh, about biology in the soil and, uh, and about how much their plants are going to grow. Unfortunately, at that time, I hadn't known anything about Malibu compost. And so I was using um, half of the city compost with half of a soil supplier in the valley who claimed to be organic as part of the mix for the raised beds. Well, throughout the months, I kept promising them that their soil, would, that their plants would grow. And we even had um, used, at that point, an aerated compost tea recipe that I had. And nothing happened in seven months. So everybody was kind of bummed out, but they enjoyed the classes. And then one day I found out about Malibu compost. And so I had each of them walk into the gardens on that week after I got a bag of Booze Blend. And I told them to get a golf ball size in their hand of the compost as they walked in and to put it underneath the soil about two inches under and water in next to their seedling on top of where they put the compost. 
Well, they all did that. And a week later, we walked in and their seedlings had grown threefold. And all the expression on the kids' faces was the same. They all go, <gasps> and even I did that when I first saw, and I couldn't believe it. And I highly recommend it. So it makes a lot of sense that if we're going to plant plants in a container or in a pot or in a greenhouse or in some sort of um, container that we need to have a potting soil that makes a lot of sense. So back in the day, what people used to do is if you wanted to plant a plant in a container, you'd go out and get some good soil uh, from you know, out in the woods, out behind your house or out somewhere else, and you'd bring this stuff in and uh, put it into a container and try to, you know, make your plant grow. That um, is tough because you have a lot of variation in soil and, and inconsistency in soil. And so as you look at stuff on a large scale, that doesn't really make a lot of sense for the nursery grower or, you know, the, 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 the large scale grower, which as we started getting to have a uh, lawn and garden and nursery industry starting to flourish uh, as people got into propagating flowers and having flowers and having gardens. So the concept of having a potting soil was a really good idea. Uh, back in the 1930s, uh, there's a fellow named uh, John Innes at the Horticultural Institute in Great Britain, and he um, created uh, a growing media uh, that they called compost. Uh, it was a mix of loamy soil with some peat moss and some sand and some fertilizers. Um, but again, because they used soil that was actually soil from, uh, you know, a surrounding area near the Institute, um, it was always diff difficult to batch consistent batches of soil. What happened here in the United States is we had uh, Cornell University and UC and the UC system, University of California, were both creating soil mixes for um, the horticultural industry, for those big commercial um, flower growers, floriculture. And that's where um, the Cornell peat light mixes were developed uh, in the 60s by a couple of guys, um, uh, James Boodley and uh, Raymond Sheldrick Jr., uh, invented those mixes. And the mix was pretty simple. Uh, it's a sphagnum peat, vermiculite or perlite, dolomite limestone, and then they used a superphosphate, a calcium nitrate, um, or a, um, and a potassium nitrate. So those were, those were what went into that mix, and what it was called was a soilless mix. So they were trying to mimic soil without having any soil. And if you look at what's not in that mix, the first thing that comes to my mind is your organic matter that's in that is a sphagnum peat. And other than that, what else do you have in there? Um, so you're not, you don't have any kind of animal component um, and, your, and your actual uh, um, green component or vegetative component would be the sphagnum peat. So 
that mix became really famous. Um, and then there was also a mix that came out um, from California. And that was the UC mix that came out. And that was a, a similar mix. But uh, what they did and how they looked at this thing is they did it more one part sphagnum peat, one part redwood compost, one part sand. Then they got into the fertilizers. And that's where that whole concept happened. Later on, the, uh, the uh, Cornell mix, it's interesting, is they got into organic growing and they adapted it. And what they've adapted it now is to have either peat moss or coconut core perlite. They add in bone meal and blood meal. So it's an interesting, you know, you look at that because in organic agriculture, you know, you can use bone meal and you can use blood meal. If you happen to catch our GMO episode, you might know that um, we look at things from a kind of a different perspective. I, you know, I personally don't use um, either bone meal or blood meal in any of my uh, mixes that I ever do uh, on a large scale or a small scale because of um, the fact that the animals that are in um, CAFO environments are all fed GMO feedstocks. And so, um, you know, that bone meal and blood meal, and then take it the next step out, feather meal, all of those all come from conventional ag, and all of those animals are fed GMO feedstocks, corn, soy, and alfalfa, and all of those are Roundup ready, so they're sprayed with glyphosate. For me, it's an interesting thing that when I look at, you know, you get into university and you start looking at stuff that you can go buy at your, you know, at a Home Depot, at a Walmart, at, you know, you know, CVS pharmacy, you know, you can buy potting soil. Uh, And then, of course, you can get it at your at your nursery and um, flip the bag over and you'll see things in there. You'll see fur bark. You'll see, uh, you know, uh, composted uh, chicken manure or, or even just a chicken meal or blood meal, feather meal. You'll see different types of, um, of, uh, of limestone, of different things in there. You'll see perlite. You'll see different things that are in those mixes. The problem for me starts with these mixes um, that you get into fertilizers, We're going to talk about that next. Hey team, we've got some really exciting news for you. You heard about the story uh, of the children's garden at the school about Booze Blend Biodynamic Compost. It's been our go-to for years. It's It's our staple product. It's the staple of biodynamic farming. And now for the first time ever at MalibuCompost.com, you can go on there and buy six quart bags of Malibu Compost Booze Blend Biodynamic Compost. It has a resealable top. You can use that for your house plants, a little bit, a little sixteenth of an inch top dressing there. You can use that for the plants on your walkway or walk out in the backyard and give the roses a little hello. So remember, the six quart bags are now available because a little 
goes a long way. Dicen que hasta el día de hoy puedes escuchar la sombra del primer sonido reverberando en forma de ruido blanco. Pasaron varios millones de años para que el ruido se convirtiera en vida y algunos compases después, la vida en música. Es difícil describir lo que había antes del gran estallido y nadie puede decir con precisión cuánto tiempo duró el silencio previo. Quizás porque el concepto de tiempo era algo ambiguo en ese entonces. Lo cierto es que aún en estos tiempos de bonanza sonora, lo único que interrumpe al sonido de la vida es el silencio de la muerte. When we left off, we were talking about fertilizers that uh, were used in the original potting soil mixes that came out of Cornell University and, uh, and the UC uh, system, University of California system. So here's the deal with those mixes, because they came out of the system, were used very, very successfully in um, the large flower and propagation market. Um, they became the thing, the standard bearer for soils that create, you know, were created in the future. So that's why you have you know, 21 different soils at, at all these different nurseries you go to, because they all came from a base mix here. The issue that we look at, though, with all of these things is you get into the fertilizer aspect. You get into superphosphate, you know, so, so synthetic phosphorus um, that, that is um, uh, take a phosphate rock and it basically um, produces a uh, phosphoric acid. You take the calcium nitrate, uh, which is basically limestone hit with acid, you know, with, with an ammonia. So, um, it, and it's all these that are, that are basically salt-based fertilizers, which is where that market came from. And then you take um, something like, um, you know, uh, uh, like a potassium nitrate, uh, and that combines basically uh, ammonia and, um, and uh, ammonium nitrate and a potassium um, hydroxide. And so what you're getting is these, these synthetic forms Uh, which will work in terms of getting nutrient to plant and working on calcium deficiencies and doing things that they wanted to do. But are they the best things looking forward to today's world? You have environmental issues with all of these things. And when you have salt-based fertilizers and you have salt-based runoff, you affect the biological component that's in the native soil. So that's where... I go back and go, well, I think the guys at the American agricultural, agriculturist, excuse me, uh, had it right back in 1861 because what they were looking at, and this is amazing, this, this is a magazine that was uh, published in the Northeast um, in the 1800s, and they were the, it's the first time we really talk about a potting soil. So in, uh, on one of the pages there, they talk about potting, potting plants. Many of the rapidly growing plants will now require more room and should be transferred to pots of a larger size. 
Have a good supply of properly prepared potting soil at all times. In readiness, two parts of leaf mold or well-decomposed muck, one part garden loam, one part flue sand, and one part finely pulverized and well-rotted manure make a good soil for potted plants. I love that. That I think that's a great that's a great mix. Then in the same issue, which is fantastic, they get into what they call potting earth. And I love this. Uh, it says a good supply of potting earth should be prepared both for present and future use. It is better after having lain in the heap some months, hence a large stock should be provided. A good potting soil is made of three parts leaf mold, one part loam, one part sand, and one part old manure. I think that's a fantastic mix, and I vote for the guys in 1861 versus my scientists in 1950 and 1960. So for me, I'd rather regress back to a time when people were planting in natural materials and we're using things that didn't have toxins, didn't have the biological ramifications that potting soils have today. A lot of times you have things that you've got uh, different industries that then go ahead and use other fertilizers. And so when they dump that soil, dump those mixes, where do they dump it? It, go, it goes either into the waste management stream or it gets dumped on properties, large properties. That stuff gets flushed into the soil, which gets flushed in the aquifer. And so you have these potting soils that I feel are traditional, but they're very outdated. For me, I look at it go really simple, you know, uh, and, and you get into all kinds of issues here, whether you're going to use cocoa core or you're going to use a peat moss because you have supply issues and you have sustainability issues with both of those things. So as your um, what you can do is be conscious of the fact and try to recycle as much of your soil as you can and use a really good compost and make compost at home. And if you can't make a good compost at home, uh, buy a really good finished compost like a booze blend and get that compost in there to recharge that soil. Quit using the bone meal, the blood meal, the feather meal, all of these other things, because in good finished compost, you should have all your major and minor nutrients and trace minerals. We reuse potting soil over and over and over again. I can tell you a story about uh, one of our uh, customers that Malibu Compost has, and they're uh, a company that does a, a whole bunch of microgreens for uh, a very, very, very big national uh, natural food market. And when we first met them, they were only getting a couple of uses out of the soil that they were using for their microgreen mixes, and they had all of this soil piled up in the mountains uh, in back of their greenhouses. And so what happened when we got there, we looked at everything and we said, why don't we just recharge this soil instead of selling you guys a whole bunch of soil? You got a bunch of stuff here. Why don't we recharge it? And they were they looked at us like we had three heads, but we said, no, really, if you add compost and we add a um, add some uh, volcanic rock dust to it and add a little bit of kelp meal to this stuff and recharge it and see if we can't get some uses out of it again, let's see what happens. Well, that was five years ago, and they 
they've been a customer of ours ever since. We just used a really good finished compost to charge that soil. So I love the 1861 version. I like going back in time and going back to a time where it was simpler. It was easier. It was maybe in a lot of ways more, maybe it was smarter and we used what we could use. So I feel like it's, you know, fast is not always better. Uh, re reuse things, repurpose things, you know, get, you know, it's time to move into that phase of gardening where, because we don't have big yards, we don't have big plots of land, things are starting to close in on us. We need to be able to recapture and repurpose and really become sustainable, really do what they were doing in 1861. I don't feel that the model that was created for the lawn and garden market back in uh, the 50s and 60s is really a sustainable model. And I think that what is happening today is people are looking for options. And that's why we wanted to talk about this today. It's one of those things where, hey, we all have a choice. We all have, you know, so so I'm grateful. We're grateful that you're listening to this podcast. Hopefully we've given you something that you guys can all think about. Join us next week for another exciting and interesting look at gardening, growing, farming, health, and how we all might make this place that we call home a better place. Until then, thank you and happy and healthy gardening.